Hello and welcome to Monday's edition of the Kings of Anglia Ipswich Town podcast brought to you by Ginger Pickle and Manscaped. My name is Andy Warren and it's just me and Stuart Watson today, just the two of us on a Monday um, to talk about Town's victory over Burton, look ahead to Accrington and look at the broader the broader picture in League One. Um, full disclosure, we tried something a second ago, it didn't work. Uh, I started recording the pod before Stu was here, hoping that he'd come and join in. And both of us were absolutely shambolic at it. So this is um this is attempt number two at the pod, Stu. Um and hopefully it's better than the better than the previous one. Yeah, sorry, mate. That caught me that caught me out a little bit joining the party late. I thought you was messing me about. I didn't bring good energy. I will do better. It wasn't a great party, to be fair. So it was a one man, a one man party. Not not the best parties, are they? One man one man parties. But um let's crack on. Um, you know that song, just the two of us. Do you remember when? Do you remember Will Smith did a cover of that? No, no, that was on that was on Big Willie style. His, was it his original album? Yeah, just the two of us. For some reason, that's that's yeah, it's a song about becoming a, a dad for the first time. I don't know why that song's resonated with me and stuck with me. I think it's just like an album track, but just thought I'd say that. I thought I it. I said it. Unaware. I, I've, I I linked that song. There was a TV advert with it in with some crabs. I think. Um, and that's that's all I've got on, yeah. on that. The, just the two of us had a line in it where Will Smith is talking about how, how he needs to keep up with modern technology for his children. And he talks about CD-ROMs. So that, that, probably, <laughs> um, that probably dates it a little yeah. bit for you. Yeah, if there's one thing that Will Smith never got his head around, it was using Encarta. Um, when Wikipedia was on a disc. Those were the days, eh? Um, but these are the days for Ipswich Town. Um, let's, let's get on with some football, Stu. It's hard not to feel good about town on, on this Monday morning. Three wins in a row, four um, four goals again at home, which has become a bit of a bit of a theme, particularly against the teams down the, the bottom end of the league. And um, the beginnings the beginnings of something, hopefully, which um, which took another another step forward at the weekend. Yeah, it's easy to sort of say, well, <clears throat> can't really read too much into this one. Lower league, lower level fodder that was was beaten. We haven't learned anything new. Wait till the bigger games are ahead. I think I think it's more than that. Um, this wasn't Forest Green Rovers, bottom of the table. I agree. I don't think we gleaned a great deal of information from the Forest Green game. This one, I think we did. Um, a couple of the minor sticks that we've we've been beating Ipswich town with this season has been um conceding some poor goals and switching off at, at times and and not dealing particularly with sort of uh, long balls to the far post um dug in deep and got a really good clean sheet so answered that question in this game and not being clinical or ruthless enough when on top not killing teams off in their purple patches in games did that in an 11 minute spell just before half time in the, in this one so um answered a couple of little nagging doubts when we were sort of picking the bones out of um the shortage of wins around the time of that Bristol Rovers game those were a couple of the themes that we discussed and i think they answered a, a couple of those uh, a couple of those questions at the weekend yeah i, I really I, I really enjoyed this game to be honest i think I, I don't think anybody really is naive enough to to expect league 1 teams to come to ipswich and not expect them to offer something and so i think at times earlier in the season we might have 
looked at the first 20 minutes and thought, oh, is this a bit, is this something we need to pull to pieces? No, like team, teams are going to threaten Ipswich and it's about how they stand up to it, which they did really well. I think we saw all sides of town at the weekend. Um, and yes, it's not, this isn't a game at Bolton. It's not the game at Barnsley or the game at Derby, but it is a, a game against a team who, while having their limitations, are on an upward, real upward journey. Good, solid, solid team who have made some big strides of their own. So um, can't take too much away from town after this one. I, I enjoyed an awful lot of, of what I saw and a lot of what I liked boiled down to partnerships, Stu, about partnerships. And that's what gives me the confidence going forward that that, that maybe this version of Ipswich Town, the, the January model, um, has maybe taken a step forward in the last couple of weeks, those growing partnerships in certain areas of the pitch. Yeah, again, rewind to that sort of soul-searching podcast where we were probably thoroughly miserable after the, the Bristol Rovers game and, oh, this is going to be Ipswich, history's going to repeat and why have we got, why is it unravelling again? I've mentioned a couple of the things that we talked about. Another thing was rotation and not having a settled side and not having a best 11. Well, since then, I think we are starting to see some chemistry grow. I think we're starting to see game by game the January signings find their feet. You're right, it's it's relationships and partnerships across the pitch. Um, Burgess and Wolfenden, since Burgess has come back into the team, that looks like the best balanced centre-half partnership. Um, Clark and Burns was the big takeaway relationship from this game, wasn't it? Those two sort of linking up down the right. In the, in the early games between those two, there were times where Clark would play a forward pass and and Burns perhaps wasn't on the same wavelength and the ball would go out of touch. And um, they're just starting to to pick up now and, and get a bit of a bond going. Um, Clark Clark uh, playing those forward passes and Burns being mm-hmm. alert to them and running onto them, which got Ipswich's right side going, which is, um, you know, something that we've been discussing for a little while as well. So that was one of the major takeaways mm-hmm. from this game. Yeah, th- those first two, those first two goals, um, were that right side kind of flowing at, at as good as we've seen it, weren't they? Clark moves differently to Danassian. Um obviously got a lot of a lot of respect for what Janoy's done for Ipswich over over the last 18 months, um particularly. But I think we always knew that Clark was a, a slightly different dimension really for town and those long legs striding forward at pace. You could see Bert, Burton backing off him. If he, he fainted to, to shoot for the first one which is another threat that he that he brings and and that's just going to hopefully open things up for Wes a little bit um and he first one with the aid of a flick off a Burton heel but he's picked out two really nice balls as well isn't it which is another piece of the puzzle that that's needed there so um yeah there are other partnerships I, I'd like to chat about in a minute but that one that one does feel really important that that right side because the balance is what what we need to see from town, isn't it? Yeah. Clark, as you say, is, is different to Genoi. He's more dynamic. He's more <clears throat> powerful. He, he'll drive with the ball at his feet. And I think it's just Burns slightly adapting to that different style of fullback behind him. Um, and yeah, first signs that they're really starting to to be on the same wavelength there. Um, it's only right and fair that we, we sit here and really talk up Wes Burns' performance because again, in recent weeks, without overplaying it, I think when we did the boot room video, it felt like it was becoming almost too much of a thing. The more we talked about it, the more it seemed to be overplayed. I've seen some 
Twitter comments saying that Wes Burns has been crucified in recent weeks. I've not seen anything that's taken it to that level. Um, he got clapped off in the, in the last game. He's just, I think it's just been people very softly, gently saying he's not quite been the same player as old and yeah, and just, just maybe not quite got the same spark against him. And, and Caden Jackson's just putting a bit of heat on him. It was never more than that. That's the, that was all the discussion yeah. was around Wes Burns, but he looked like he had his, his mojo back on on uh, on Saturday. Yeah, I, I, to be fair, I, I would say a lot of a lot of the reason for that discussion is on Caden Jackson's shoulders. If, if he if Caden hadn't performed so well in in those Burnley games in particular, I don't think it really would have been a, a conversation particularly because it's not a, it, it there wouldn't have been a viable alternative. But the the way Caden had been playing, that there was, which meant. A bit of a, a spotlight on on that, but um, the thing I liked about about Burns at the weekend is that he was looking forward and playing forward. Like I, I think Clark helps that. I think Clark gives him a bit of a push forward as well because um, you could see. I think it was the I think it was the second of the the goals that they combined for. That pass was a proper leading pass that needed Wes to to really turn the turn the burners on to get it ended up in the front row of the of the north stand managing to dig the cross out which to do that at that pace but also kind of pick out broadhead perfectly um takes some doing really um i they've they've definitely come on those two and, and it's and it shouldn't be underestimated i guess how 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 long it takes to get that going. I think we only see it. We saw it so naturally with Genoi and Wes Burns because they'd played together at Fleetwood previously and we didn't see the early bedding in stages. It takes time, doesn't it? These, these partnerships, they, they can't just happen overnight. No, some, some players sort of click instantly that just seem to be, you get it from time to time. Two players just seem to dovetail quite nicely and, and others have to work at it a little bit. And I think it's taken a few games for them to 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 get to that level but yeah that was that was a big takeaway from this game was that that right side getting going again for sure mm. one one that has kind of clicked quite quickly is Morsi and Luongo isn't it in in the middle there they they look a really natural really natural pairing for me similar in ways different attributes <clears throat> in others um and they look like a really good pair i i, I that could be a, such a straight if they can keep Luongo fit and and playing. That could be um, that could be massive for Town. I think in that in that area of the team. Do you think? Yeah, I, th- I think if the right side was probably my third biggest takeaway from this game, I'd say the second vying for first would be the performance of Massimo Luongo. Um, yeah, uh, again, the caveat here, as we've just had with caveats around Wes Burns, there's a major caveat that this is not a knock on Cameron Humphreys at all. That young man has done remarkably well, played a lot more games than he or any of us uh, anticipated, and he's and he's not let the team down. But Massimo Luongo helped take them to another level, I thought, in midfield at the weekend. I think it enables Sam Morsi to not be... I was going to use the word babysitting there, which is probably a bit strong for for Cameron Humphreys, but just being that senior head alongside a teenager coming into the the game and then just kind of looking out for each other a little bit and maybe having to think about his partner's game as much as his own game. Um, Massimo Luongo is a player that's played a lot of championship football that was a star player in a Sheffield Wednesday side that did very well in the second half of last season in, in this league. And, uh, 
he looked at it, didn't he? For someone who hasn't played a great deal of football over the last year or so, um, that was a very impressive performance. And as you say, the two of them worked quite nicely together. Yeah, that's uh, you need that. You need that in the centre midfield. I like I like the the strength. I like the drive. I like the positivity. He plays forwards. Um, he he's creative as well when he wants to be. Um, thinks makes good decisions. Um, so yeah, keep him keep him fit. Manage him, of course. From this point on, Humphreys will play games, undoubtedly. But um, you've given us your well, you you've teased some third favorite things and second favorite thing. I need to know your favorite. Mm. What, what's your favorite well, thing? Adam? I'll move on. I'll move on to that in a minute. Just just on Luongo, I think the thing I like about him the most is his game intelligence. He's someone that can read. It clearly reads the game. He seems to know where the ball's going to fall. And then McKenna talked about it when in a couple of the cameos that he comes on and he he seems to get up to speed with the game quite quickly. I think he he he's one of these people that can solve the puzzle quite quickly. And Ipswich are facing different puzzles week in week out. There was a big one at the weekend with the way Burton were playing, with the way they went man to man, where they were going long. And Luongo can, is one of those players that can work that out and start to find the solutions on the pitch. Uh, most notably was his ball over the top when Ipswich took a, one of those quick free kicks in their own half. And ordinarily, you'd never see them just stick a long ball over the top. But Luongo played played the ball over the top, which led to um, the Ladapo goal for 3-0. That was then a sort of a loose defensive header that Chaplin jumped on and, and set up Freddie for that third goal. So, uh, yeah, he looks like a bit of a problem solver and also... Probably his upgrade on Humphreys is he's got a bit more of the, the physicality as well, mm. a bit more of the tenacity as well to, to deal with that side yeah. of things, which helps when Morsi's had to kind of play within himself from a physical point of view because of the, the booking situation. Mm. That third that third goal you spoke about there, I I don't think I'm over overplaying this, but I think the reason they played that long ball is because the left back Hamer was just coming back from being booked. So the reason they played that is kind of like a rugby up and under. He that that was who ultimately I think headed it into the path of Chaplin. He wasn't back in position, uh, having been booked to give away that free kick. So that's the intelligence you're speaking of there. Like seeing, seeing that uh, that isn't ordinarily an Ipswich ball. You're right, but um, no, and it, and in Ipswich, the right scenario, yeah. And we, when we talked about Ipswich maybe becoming a bit predictable and people working them out, is because they were trying to do the same patterns of play to score. A lot of the Ipswich goals come, and again we saw it at the weekend down the down the flanks, cutbacks, someone scoring from around the penalty spot, and that is their super strength, and that will continue to be their super strength. But I think in the last few weeks, I've definitely seen them mix it up a little bit more and react to in-game situations. I thought it was notable on on Saturday. I'm not saying they've suddenly become a lot more direct, but I just think they've mixed it up a little bit more. There was a during that first twenty minutes. Walton suddenly realised actually, instead of trying to play through this man-to-man high press, he just started clipping a few little pu- little sort of um, balls onto the halfway line. That was um, one of the goals came from a from a ball. Yeah, uh, I mentioned the long one, didn't I? It's um, but yeah, the, Walton started just to just to bypass the defence and play some different balls into different areas of the pitch, and just keeps the opposition guessing a little bit. I think. Yeah, there's, there was a couple to Ladapo, wasn't there, who came deep onto halfway to take one, another one into Morsi that were, were good there from Walton. Come and see what's number one then. You've given us, you've teased, you've teased number three, number two. They're two great things, but... It's the clean some, sheet. Some... It's the clean sheet as a whole and the way Ipswich 
not just in those first 20 minutes that were really awkward um, and a sticky opening 20 minutes, but the second half as well. There was a period where Burton seemed to have corner after corner. They didn't change their approach at all, long throws, and um, Ipswich dealt with it pretty comfortably, actually. They headed the ball away. They looked like they were really up for that clean sheet as much as winning the game. McKenna said they'd spent all week looking at Burton, knowing what was going to come, knowing that it was going to be a repeat of the game at the Pirelli last August where, my word, Ipswich had to dig deep for a 1-0 win that day. Um, and, yeah, they just look really fired up as a unit to keep another clean sheet. I think the penny has dropped with them that actually they back themselves to score goals on any given day. I don't think that we've ever questioned that as an issue. Yes, there's been times where they haven't been clinical enough, but on those days where goals two, three and four don't flow, make sure you keep it tight at the back. Stop stop, uh, stop conceding some of these sort of avoidable goals. And I think they've, they've gone right back to basics from that Bristol Rover game onwards and just, just doing the basics of, of just being brave, getting blocks in. Burgess made a brilliant sliding tackle in his own box on the cover. Wolfenden, Clark, both made some brave headers in, in the box. Um, Walton looked back to being, yes, he didn't make loads of saves, but he looked back to being really confident in sort of plucking aerial balls out of the sky and things like that. So as a unit, the way they kept that clean sheet, that wasn't an easy clean sheet at all. So that was the thing that that most impressed me from this game. Mm, it's kind of almost the opposite of um I remember one of like Paul Lambert's teams just could not score goals. The defense was good, but they just an inability to score meant that they would concede they'd put pressure on themselves and concede silly goals, lose tight games one nil. And that's almost flipped around now that you back them <clears throat> you back them to score at all times. Um and if you can just have that steal at the back, like they this is this is why I feel confident about Ipswich about Ipswich in 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 playoff scenarios. I know we're we're hopefully still talking about an automatic push, and we'll we'll get onto that in a bit. But the fact that they've got this ability to not lose games, not and can dig in and, and not concede, that's why I feel very very confident about them in a playoff scenario. Or and even that extends actually to these big games that are on the horizon. I think it's why go to Bolton go to Barnsley, go to Derby. And there's there's not... Yes, they haven't beaten many of these teams, but they haven't lost to many of them as well. And I think things have progressed to a point where I'm feeling quite confident about, about what's in front of Ipswich. Um, and actually now looking at, at whether teams are going to slip up enough to allow them to to get there. Um, but I've re- I came away feeling really, really happy with what I'd seen from this Ipswich team. They carried on playing in the second half as well. Like, uh, it, yes, it didn't quite hit the heights of that that big spell in the first, but um, but it wasn't. It just didn't fade away to nothing. They did keep playing, and that's um, that pleased me as well. A little bit of a, a ruthlessness, and thankfully, goal number four did arrive just to just to mark that as well. You never get you never get a second half that lives up to the first in those scenarios when a team has a three-plus goal margin at half-time. How many times have we we seen a big scoreline at half-time and the Ipswich timeline is full of free the Ipswich nine and it could happen today? And invariably it doesn't because it's human nature. There's no jeopardy in the game anymore. Managers can start taking people off. Minds start to go to, to games ahead, especially with a Tuesday night game coming up. It was job done. Um, but 
that's why I think that the clean sheet was really good because Burton, you know, didn't give up on this game either. They didn't just sort of, they didn't feel like they were marking time till they could get back on the coach and, and get home. They, um, that was a really useful almost training session in the second half for Ipswich, almost, um, you know, a, a, a real sort of proper set piece training session that hopefully that they can kind of call upon that as a bit of muscle memory in games mm. where there's a bit of an bombardment on their box at some stage and they can they can go back to that that period in the Burton game and think, yeah, we, we can deal with this. Mm. Should we talk about Connor Chaplin a little bit? Who um another another brace for him is six of them six of the sixth brace of the season, nineteen goals in all in all competitions. He's um he's really important to this team, isn't he? Not trying to understate that or play that down a little bit. He's um as you mentioned earlier the the key way of scoring goals is to to pull the ball back for somebody like him to put it in the net and he's um he's really important I, I love I really enjoy watching him he's at the heart of everything at the week the weekend I thought perhaps creating more than he has done previously as well yeah I, before you even go into what he adds on the pitch he's clearly someone that's bought into everything that this club is about running towards adversity Suffolk life the community side of things, community trust, all of that. He's a trustee with them, the foundation. Um, and it shows on the pitch. He looks, he's, he's so busy. He's another one that I'd put in the clever bracket. Knows, you know, he just has a way of finding space, whether it's in the box or outside of the box. Um, and his finishing is just superb, isn't it? You just fancy him. As soon as you fancy him, no matter how, where he is in the box, he finds space, whether it's one touch, two touch, He'll find the corners of, of the net, and so many of his goals have been that. Um, you know that that was that was a trademark goal. The uh, certainly the first one, wasn't it? Mm, it interesting. I, I really I really like seeing him be able to kind of take a touch, spin, and then still have that. That's the bit that I'd struggle with, like the orientation of being able to sort of take that touch, spin a little bit. And he didn't even hit it hard into the final corner. That's mm. placement. That's just that's just knowing. Knowing where you are, knowing where the defenders are, knowing where the goalkeeper is, and where the far corner is as well, and, and marrying it, marrying it all up. Um, clearly, he's going to reach twenty goals for the season, all competitions. I'd like him to do. I'd like him to do that in the league. I think that'd be brilliant if he could could do twenty league goals as well. And um, but the league one golden boot isn't out of the question for him from this from this point. And if Ipswich are going to be on the be on the run that they need to be on to to seriously be in the automatic chase come the the Exeter and Fleetwood games at the end of April and and then May um he could well fire himself to a league one golden boot couldn't he I don't think that's out of the question at all it's not impossible is it he's on what's uh, 19 goals all comps 16 in the league which puts him two behind Johnson Clark Harris of Peterborough he's level with David McGoldrick at Derby um why not? If Ipswich are going to go on the run that we hope they do, um, the goals will hopefully continue to flow and I'm sure Connor will be amongst them. Um, six braces in there, which is quite something, isn't it? The hat-trick still eludes him. Um, his reward for scoring that second was to, <laughs> to immediately get get taken off uh, afterwards. Understandable with the, with the game coming up on Tuesday and, and then Bolton on the horizon as well but um i'm sure a little bit of him is, is disappointed that he's not had many opportunities to uh to go and grab that match ball he tends he tends to come yeah. off quite quickly after getting a second 
Yeah, I I asked him about that on um on Saturday, and he he, he gave the correct answer, which is uh, that's one to ask the manager. But um, I'm not bothered unless uh, as long as the, as long as the team wins. I think he's come off in all pretty much all of those games. Um, went on a went on a hat trick apart from Accrington. I think I look back because he came he came on at Accrington and scored twice. So I think that might be the only time that he's remained remained on the pitch um, on a hat trick. But um. One will come. One will come eventually, and when it, and when it does, I think I've, I think he um, I think he'll deserve it. And I will tell you what, as well, I've, you've written something that's gone on our websites this morning about um, about his goals, where they've come from. I bet he knows every single one of those stats you've put in that piece. He loves he loves his numbers. He knows his numbers. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's done in the past. Um, I bet you anything you haven't taught him anything new in there about you taught me a lot about about where they've come from what foot they've come from and headers and things like that but um, he'll know he loves that yeah I think you're right go I won't read them all out now on here go and have a look at that if, if you're into that sort of thing there's a breakdown of where they've come first half second half left foot right foot inside the box outside the box etc etc um, but yeah Connor Chaplin I would go as far as saying a rare breed in someone that is a professional footballer getting quite deep into his career that has still retained this sort of boyish love of the game. And that's not true of all footballers. Some of them, I think, um, just naturally over the course of time, it becomes more of a job than a passion. Um, There are times that we can relate to that. I'm sure there are times that anybody who works in an industry that is also their love will, will feel that it just takes a little bit of the the shine off of it. But Connor Chaplin has retained all of that. He absolutely loves football. He's someone that could sit and talk to you about football, I think, at all levels of the game for hours and hours. I think the same is true of the manager, to be fair, in Kieran McKenna. So um, I'm sure those two have some some long old conversations about football. But um, yeah, he's got his, he's got his sights on more, has Connor Chaplin, hasn't he? He certainly has. I'm sure he, uh, well, he's clearly going to get past 20. It's uh Go and get that golden boot, Connor. That would be um, that would be that would be brilliant. And if he does, um, that can only mean good things for town. Have you got any any more Burton thoughts? Here? You've given um, us one, two, and three. Was there a four and a five on the things that you things I that you like? I don't know about an official ranking. I think while we're talking about goal scorers, we shouldn't sleep on Freddie Ladapo here, who has had. Um, I think he's done remarkably well to get to the place that he has in this season. He's got. Um, I think he's on 14 or what's he on now 14 all competitions 12 in the league um that is a pretty pretty good tally for someone that didn't particularly hit the ground running that took him half a season to really get up to speed someone who's not really found he's not had a, a run of starts at any stage for him to get onto to those numbers um is really important and you talk about relationships the way he's kind of facilitating the 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 wide men and the the two Number 10's in behind him, shouldn't be underestimated. Um, yes, he got his goal on at the weekend, took it very well on the run. But his all-round play, I thought, was so good. He backs into people. He's strong. Um, his link-up play was was good. He ran in behind. Um, yeah, the, I think the arrival of George Hurst has just given him another little extra spring in his step. So I think we've got, uh, I think Freddie Ladapo's found, found a new level to his form in, in recent weeks. Um so yeah, mention to him. On the subject of Freddie Ladapo, both of these incidents involved him. I assume, Stu, you've seen the uh, the two refereeing in- incidents involving Freddie Ladapo back again. Have you from the 
from the weekend. The, uh, the 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 offside that the phantom offside and the uh, and in the first half where I think it was Jasper Moon came across to to try and tackle him and and fell to the floor and uh, ended up having a free kick against Freddie. You're looking yeah. at me like you haven't seen them back. No, I have. Yeah. I have seen them back. Yeah, the the second one, the offside one, there might have been an argument of a sort of, sort of slightly earlier phase of play or something like that. I'm not sure. I didn't. I didn't slow it down and study it. But the first one was absolute nonsense, wasn't it? Um, really good spin from Freddie just over the halfway line, and um, yeah, Jasper Moon's in in all is in all sorts of trouble, isn't he? And and goes down. Uh, very, very softly because he knew he was in trouble and uh, the referee gave gave the free kick. And that was actually a moment, I thought that was quite a big moment in the first half that just livened up the crowd a little bit. It added a bit of injustice into the air. It was the first time Ipswich had got a bit of joy going forwards. And I, I, if I had to pinpoint a moment where the, that first half started to turn a little bit, that was that was one. But yeah, that ref was um, was quite whistle and card happy, wasn't he, in the, in the first half? Mm. Well, yeah. Yeah, I didn't think he was very good at all, but 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 you've just said he actually sparked the uh, sparked the win. So um, yeah, all, thing, all, all things considered, um, there was another moment where um, Broadhead in his own half um, turned someone and, and won a foul, and and that was a booking as well. And the, just a few little moments where Ipswich, once they started to win those little fifty fifties, Burton were so locked on man to man when they started to win more of those fouls when they started to get that. It just felt like that game was McKenna's right. That could easily have gone another way. I think if Burton, if one of those moments for Burton had gone in, that could have been a frustrating old afternoon because Burton suddenly have something to defend, and Ipswich of a bit of frustration creeps into the air, and who knows how that afternoon would have panned out. But we both felt you kept turning to me and saying, "Not sure about, not sure about Moon at the back. He was he was looking a bit wobbly, and they had that defensively." You just felt that Ipswich there was there was spaces to exploit, and uh, if if they got the first, it would go the other way, and, th- and thankfully we got we got that scenario, didn't we? Yeah, excellent job done, um, and all that means that um, Town still say stay five points back from Plymouth, stretch the gap on some of the teams below. But before we get into the next game, um, which is Accrington tomorrow night. Um, I think it's probably worth just having a look at what lies ahead this week in League One because there's the nuts and bolts of, of Town's side of the Accrington game to discuss, but the pic- the picture's bigger than that. Um, five back from Plymouth going into a really big week in, in, in that battle. If we're pinpointing that battle as, as Town v Plymouth for second place, which, which it could well be, Town have Accrington at home and go to Bolton. But in those two games, Plymouth host Derby and go to Barnsley. That's a big week of League One football, isn't it? We we're going to know come come five o'clock on on Saturday afternoon. Um, the picture could look very 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 different in in all ways, really. It could, yeah. I, I think are we agreed that Sheffield Wednesday are too far away. Yes. They're eight points clear with it with the game extra to come. That requires them to drop points in four, probably five of their last uh, fourteen games. Um, this is a team that's won ten of their last eleven, so that's not going to happen. So I think we can we yeah. can say Sheffield Wednesday are gone. I now. think so. Um, there are obviously others in the chasing pack, along with Ipswich, um, Bolton, Barnsley have got games in hand to come. But if we just focus on Ipswich catching Plymouth, 
Um, you're right, this next week looks huge because if you look a little bit further beyond, Plymouth's running looks pretty pretty kind on paper. If I skip back to, to the end of the season, Plymouth have got Shrewsbury away, Cambridge at home, Bristol Rovers at home, Burton at home, and then Port Vale away. Um, those are all games that you'd, you'd, you'd be fancying yeah. Plymouth in. So if, if the tide is going to turn... Um, You'd, you'd hope that it needs really to sort of, I think that that gap needs to be eaten into sooner rather than later. Yeah, it, it goes beyond that run that you've just said there. I think they, they only have, after these these games, they play Derby and Barnsley, as we just said, they play they play one team in the top half, Shrewsbury. That's it. Mm. Five of the five of the bottom six still to play in the in what would then be a 10-game sprint for home. Yeah, but, um, but they do have the... The distraction of a, a Wembley Cup final against Bolton, and we've got to hope that it is that is a bit of a distraction for them. Everything that goes with the day out at Wembley and trying to get some silverware, both for Bolton and Plymouth, that 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 will be on their minds. That's the same weekend that Ipswich go to Derby, so um, that that could be an interesting weekend. Plymouth have lost some players to injury. Cooper, the goalkeeper, obviously chief among them, so. Yeah, there's still got to be hope that that five points, mm. um, that five points can be overturned. Mm. Everything's built on their incredible home record as well, isn't it? Fifteen, I think it's fifteen wins in seventeen at home or yeah. something like that in the league, which is which is outrageous. Some wobbles on the road, um, obviously. Derby at home, Barnsley away for them in this in this little run. Um, you never know, but but. Town's job is their own, isn't it? They can't, you can't, they can't do anything about Plymouth from this point. They've played those games. They've taken one point from six available against against Plymouth. Now it's down to Town, and um, Bolton is kind of rearing its head over the hill. But before that, we've always said that these four games against the sides at the lower end of the table had to come away with twelve points from them. They've got nine now. Um, they don't. They need to. Sc- win by three in this game and I take thirty-four million pounds away from Mark Heath and he may well never be heard from again. Um if that's the case. See so he he'll stay on his he's I think he's in Dorset at the moment and if uh, they score three against Accrington tonight he might might do well to stay there and avoid me. But um get, get a fake passport and go yeah. on a run. <laughs> and a little mus- <laughs> a little moustache and a hat uh and he'll be off. But um they've done three quarters of, of the initial job here to get to these big big games um they've just got to finish it now haven't they with, with 12 12 points from 12 and then and then crack on with the the next phase of the season they have and there is just this slight ingrained fear in me that tuesday night you've got to get that job done first because there's just it's human nature that everybody's eyes start to turn to bolton away on saturday and um the nature of the win on saturday 4-0 looks more comfortable than it was and everyone turns up on Tuesday night thinking yeah right this is routine and I don't I I can't imagine Portman Road is going to be at its rocking best on Tuesday night we're, we're due for a bit of a cold snap um I think people will turn up and just be expecting it and um that's going to put a little bit of pressure on the on the game Accrington I don't think are as good as Burton from what I've seen um but Conversely, they're probably not going to come at the at the game with the same sort of intent as Burton and leave the same gaps at the back. I think they're in a proper 
relegation dogfight where they're just going to come and try and grind something out. That will be their approach. That will John Coleman will just get them set up to be really organised. It's going to potentially be another one of those deep block nights. And um, I don't think anyone can rest on their laurels. Um, I don't think the, the, don't think Kieran McKenna and the players will will allow their minds to to slip beyond that. The, you know, it's becoming a bit of a running joke. This kind of take it as game as it comes, not looking at the table. We can only concentrate on ourselves. Kieran McKenna's last press conference leading up to the Burton game finished with him saying, having trotted out all of those those cliches. Sorry for the boring answers, lads, but that's. Uh, that's what that's where we're at at the moment. So I'm sure their minds will be fully focused on this one. Mm. But um, yeah, let's let's get over this hurdle first before we start thinking about mm. too much bigger picture stuff. Well, Con- Connor Chaplin's post-match press conference at the weekend began with I asked him, "Just you must be pleased with the good afternoon, Connor." It's like, "Yep, yep," but it's on to Tuesday now. That was the opening line, and I think they'd had it impressed on them that you, you go away, you rest, re- you recover, you eat right, and you come back. And it, yes. Connor, I, th- I can imagine Connor Chaplin is probably one of the most kind of ingrained professionals that there is in terms of his football, but they've got a squad full of them. Um, and um, and I think that will be replicated across the board. Um, with Accrington, Stu, we're beyond the phase of, oh no, it's Accrington, aren't we? That's that's done. Can we can we move beyond that? Particularly at Portman Road, it, Ipswich have beaten Accrington ever, every time at Portman Road. Of course, they'll take it incredibly seriously and I think everything you've just said about how the game will go will probably play out that way. But the uh, the nervous Accrington energy, we can that can get in the bin, can't it? That's been... I think been, so. Been done. Yeah. Coleman's still the manager, of course, has been there for a long time, but gone are the days of Colby Bishop, Harry Pell... Uh, Michael Nottingham's still there, but he's injured. I think Matt Butcher got poached by Plymouth last summer. Dion Charles has gone to Bolton. Going further back, Ross Sykes, who was one of their giant centre-halves, has gone. They are not the Accrington side that um, caused Ipswich a few problems over over a, over a few few years. So um wasn't easy for Ipswich up at the Wham Stadium earlier in the season. Both the goals from Chaplin came late in the game but um it, there's no doubt about it this game falls in the in the kind of must win bracket of of the last few ones for Ipswich if they're going to do what we hope they can do this season yep um we always talk about the Ipswich team um i, I think the place i'd want to start with that is um is there an 18 here now is it is it is there a settled 18 do you think it's getting there, isn't it? it's it. been the same 18 for the last three three, three games? Um, I'll list the players uh, that, that doesn't involve first. That doesn't involve Richard Keogh, George Edmondson. This is fit players Keogh, Edmondson, Lee, Aluko, Vincent Young. Um, I'll tell you one person that might make a difference to settled 18 would be Tyrese John Jules. Once he gets himself back in the mix, uh, I think he'll be joining in training this week, by all accounts. Um, so it might take him another week or so to, to really sort of be fully involved in or getting on the verge of match day squads. But I could see him certainly taking one of those bench places at, at some point, possibly for Kyle Edwards, you would think, sort of stylistically, the most likely. Um Maybe Caden Jackson, I don't know, but he's he's one that I think could kind of knock on the door of that eighteen. But um, yeah, starting to starting to look a lot more settled, isn't it? Mm. 
Um, I feel sure there will be a change or two to the eleven for this one. Um, not necessarily with Bolton in mind as such, but just a three-game week in mind. They kept an unchanged, unchanged team, obviously, between the Forest Green and MK Dons games. But any areas that you'd be looking to freshen? Luongo is obviously an interesting, interesting one. Whether he can, whether he can do ninety, well. At some point, whether he came off, he, what did he come off like seventy? Come off at the weekend. Um, it's just whether he can start that again and then still be in the mix to start the Bolton game as well, isn't it? Yeah, I think I put Nathan Broadhead in that in that same bracket as well. He's someone that's had hamstring problems over a prolonged period of time. Arriving at Ipswich, they kind of wrapped him up in cotton wool for the first few weeks. I'd be surprised if he'll do a, a three games in in a week from the start. Um, so he might be one that dips out and Marcus Harness might might come back in and uh, and get a game. Um, Luongo, as you, as you say, for reasons outlined, Cameron Humphreys is, is there and, and ready to jump back in. Bit of a question mark over Leif Davis, who limped off towards the end, stayed down for quite a long time and gingerly made his way around the side of the pitch. McKenna said afterwards that they're hopeful it's just a kick and uh, it will be one that, that settles down. Uh, we haven't had an update on that yet as we sit here recording early afternoon on Monday. Even if it is just a, a kick and some bruising and stuff like that, maybe maybe he dips out for a game and Greg Lee comes in. But all these players we're talking about have got very ready and willing replacements that train hard every day, that are up to speed with, with the way McKenna wants them to play. You wouldn't be too concerned at all if if uh, if Lee Humphreys Harness uh, Hurst for Ladapo is, is another potential change. We've seen the strikers rotate quite a bit. You wouldn't be worried too much at all if 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 all or any of those changes were made, would you? No, strong old strong old squad they've got Ipswich Town. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about heading heading into the Accrington game before we? But I, we, we always talk, we always do predictions at the end of the pod. Um, I'm more interested. I feel sure you're going to tell me that you think Ipswich are going to win, but I want to know if I'm going to win my money. That's my. That's my. You need that's three goals. So the the bet was to remind people, this is with with our fictional bookmaker, Heath Bookies. Wow. Um, he's going to pay you in Bitcoin or real money. Playmobil money. Um, mm. the coins that come out of Connect Four. Um, who knows? Who okay. knows? But. So remind remind listeners of what, what four wins, was. four wins from the games against. I mean, Ryan, I've forgotten what they all were. Uh, Forest Green, MK Dons, Burton, Accrington, four straight wins with twelve goals or more scored, and we're on nine now with two four nil wins and a one nil at MK Dons. So I need a three, a three goals scored in a victory to financially um... ruin Mark. Oh, it's going to be tight for that, I think. So when when we did the, I did a look ahead to March fixtures and made made some longer term predictions, which are always difficult when you're starting to talk about games that are three four weeks down the road. But I had it switched down for a for of a harder win against Burton two nil, which probably reflected that score. Probably reflected more what the game was like on Saturday. And then I did have them to cut loose four nil against Accrington in this game. Um, now it's getting a little bit closer. I don't know whether it's just the natural sort of nerves with it all. I'm, I'm starting to think it might not be as 
comfortable as as I thought. But um, um, yeah, Andy, I think you will win your money. I do think you'll win your money. If it was you, right, in this situation, and it's not fictional, it's it's real, and you owed somebody thirty-four million pounds, and with the greatest of respect to Mark, no means to pay that. Yeah, what would you do? God, that's how that's quite heavy. How would you handle that situation? If I got thirty-four million pounds in debt, yeah, to somebody, to somebody like me. For example, some mm. um, someone who's who's not going to come after you with a shotgun, mm. but would be, but would be. What are you, what you going to do? I'd just turn up. You'd come to my house and say, "Can I have my money, please?" So, what are you going to do about it? You go, "No, all right, yeah, fair enough. I'll get it to you next week." Yeah, just make sure you do. And I reckon I could. We, I reckon we could string that out for for quite some time. So basically, you you'd treat me like a mug. Just... Yeah. Okay. Um, Any other course of action? Maybe try and cut a deal. Potentially, I'd. Mark, <laughs> You've Mark's thought about this. To this. I have listened to this. Like, if Mark's Mark, Mark will be Mark will listen to this before the game. Yeah. He, he's told us he listen, He goes out and he might go out for a run. He might be listening to us on the run. I'm open to a. I'm open to settling. Well, this is you're... what I was going to ask you. So, say this was a real bet with the bookies. Right. Which it is. Yeah, okay. What what cash out option are they giving you now and would you take it? Well you've done a sign like a significant amount of the the job is done. So you've you've earned a good portion, but it doesn't cash outs don't work kind of on that basis. So it wouldn't be for <clears throat> I don't think it would be for three quarters of the of the money. I'd, I would take if he wants to cash out now. I'd take I'd take eighteen million. You'd take now. eighteen. Yeah. Okay. You're not you going to hold your hours to reply. Um, I mean, it would be more fun if I held my nerve, wouldn't it? But um, but it's up to him. No, I'd take I'd take the offer. He'd have to pay though. He'd have to pay that cash out. It wouldn't just be like. I'll cash out. I'll get you the money at some point. It'd be like, here is twenty-four million pounds. Um, mm. Shall I call him? He's yeah. on holiday. Shall I call him and find out? Yeah, give him a call. See if he take the money. So, what do you want? What did so I what, say? Twenty. Tw- you... Let's say, let's say around around twenty, around twenty million. Let's bring him. Excellent. He's going to be concerned that something's gone horribly wrong with the production of our newspaper slash websites, isn't he? Shame. That is a shame. Well, turn that off before uh, his number gets read out. Um, I'll 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 text him. We'll we'll find out. But. uh, yeah, we'll lock that in. Let's, so you, you're you're bottling it and you're taking the cash out, essentially. Yeah. Well, um, mainly mainly just to do a good favour for a friend, really. Okay. Because I, but but I'm 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 not going to send the send the lads out. I'm interested to see if he listens to this before the game. Actually, um, but he's got what has he got? Like twenty 
28 hours to respond. The offer's there, mate, but just... I'm just sure seasoned that. gamblers would probably be telling us that there's some way of kind of offsetting that bet if you cashed in and then laid it off with yeah. some other bet. But I'm that's not no. my world. I don't understand it no. enough. Me neither. I think the stakes have got a little bit too high with this, if I'm being completely honest. Mm. And it. So what's your score prediction then? If you don't three nil that... on the nose. Okay, so you believe? Yeah, I think so I'm you gonna... do really yeah. think that they're going to do it. Yeah, I'm don't only. I'm only. Cons- I'm doing it for him. Okay, doing it for him because I worry. I worry about him. I'd take the money and his dog. That's what I'd do. I'd take his dog until he gave me the cash. <laughs> then we'll then, <laughs> then we'll see. <laughs> and his this air is... fryer. I'll have the dog and the air fryer, and we'll see. Uh, we'll see. But um, we've talked about this for far too long. Um, any other business, Stuart Watson? Uh, no other business. Uh, I suppose I better stick with my four 0 prediction. I don't know from from earlier in the. In the month, I don't no, know if don't, I truly believe to. in four 0 I think I might just dial that down to more of a two 0 I think there might be some frustrations in this game, but Ipswich will get the job done. And I think George Hurst might be getting his first league goal for Ipswich Town in this game. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Um, as much as I think we can appreciate what he's offered to the team, um, it, we certainly can in 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 certain situations. It it would be nice if if he was scoring like Fred Freddie. I think they've. I think George has started six of the eleven games that he's been here for. Freddie started five, but the, the goals have come for Freddie in that time. Even off the bench, they've they've come for him. But it'd be um to have them both kind of in the groove of scoring goals a little bit would be great, wouldn't it? And, and a real weapon for for town, particularly then, as you've as you've mentioned, to then add someone like John Jules into the mix as well. Um, either as the central striker or, or probably more likely as an option as one of the 10. I really liked him in those 10 positions early in the season. That's where I liked him. Um, they've got weapons, haven't they? They have indeed. I'll go and show it against Aquinton, please, Ipswich. Um, then we can talk about Bolton later in the week. Oh, and we will. Um, thank you to our sponsors, Ginger Pickle um, and Manscaped. Thank you to you, Stu. Thank you for joining me. And we'll... Um, We'll be back later in the week, hopefully, to talk about the twelve the twelve points being secure and then looking ahead to the, the trip to Bolton, which um should be a cracker. We'll see you then.
Hello and welcome to Monday's edition of the Kings of Anglia Ipswich Town podcast. My name is Andy Warren and I'm here in, asco- in association with Ginger Pickle and Manscaped. And for my own amusement, I've decided to start recording the podcast before Stuart arrives. And here he is. I've started the podcast and he has arrived. Just been talking for oh. minutes without you, mate. No, you haven't. I have. Was it good? Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was having a great time. But um okay. you're here you now. Me? Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah, I've not got I've not got forty five minutes in me. But um let's go. Okay. You're right? It has caught me it has caught me on the hop, but let's do it. You're lying, aren't you? Uh, no, look at the timer. What are we talking about? I've done the intro, done all of that, and we're going to talk about the Burton game, pro- probably the Accrington game as well. Okay, I'm in. Let's, all right, let's rock. Um... <laughs> it's, it's absolutely thrown me, mate, this has, yeah. I'll be honest. Yeah. Let's start. Well, let's start again. I think we I, should. <laughs> I liked the theory of this, but I <laughs> my, brain, my little out. brain my little brain couldn't couldn't get into uh, show mode. <laughs> it's not worked out how I hope. I'm sorry, mate. It's not your fault. Is it a really good intro as well? No, 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 no. We've got two options from this point. We can just roll. We can just start again here. I think, yeah. And uh, for the sake of two minutes of audio, let's uh, let's just start again. <laughs> 